Awesome. Cool. Well, um, thanks for joining us, Ryan. Um, this will be, you are our first guest that um, neither of us have met before. So this will be interesting and fun in that regard. But you are a friend of my father's, and so um, you must be you must be halfway decent because he seems to keep decent people around. So, um, and I have listened to uh, his when he joined your podcast um, that you have, um, and so I got a, sort of a little bit of a sense of uh, of who you are. And so, yeah, looking okay. looking forward to this chat. <clears throat> Me too, man. Thanks for. Thanks for having me. Good to good to chat with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I guess you know, since we're, we maybe should have could have done this before we started recording, or maybe I'll edit this part out. But I'll just give a, myself a quick introduction, and then Dan can do the yeah. same and sort of jump in. So um, yeah, I'm Andrew. I'm Dave's youngest son. I'm sure you've maybe heard a little bit about me. I live up here in Portland, um, and yeah, Dan and I sort of started this thing. Um, you know. I, I grew up in the church. I'm no longer in the church, but Dan and I sort of started this thing as a way to sort of dive back in to the Bible and, and you know, discuss some of the deeper truths that are in there. Um, and yeah, we've been really very much enjoying the chats and hangs. Um, and, and we have guests on um, to kind of hear about their experience with, you know, religion, spirituality, how it's shaped them, where they're at with it now. Um, and we've had a full range of people who are, you know, currently, you know, uh, practicing members of a religion to, you know, still spiritual to like, you know, yeah, probably, I guess, full on like atheists. So we're, we've sort of covered, um, covered the spectrum in that regard. Um, Dan, do you want to, want to add anything else to that or, or give yourself a quick little intro? No, I think, uh, I think we, uh, we both are just pretty spiritually curious and um, we are definitely did not start this to necessarily like poke holes in anything and really just try to uh, just take what we can. I think we, we both appreciate the mystical side of things for sure. And uh, Andrew is probably a little more in the church when he was going and I kind of, I kind of just went to church on Sundays with my mom and mm -hmm. it was, uh, not, not anything that ever really, uh, connected with me heavy, but was definitely a part of my, my upbringing a bit. And, uh, I personally never, uh, never really dove deep into the Bible. So this has been kind of like my first real look at the Bible. And that's been really cool as, uh, someone in their thirties now and, and just kind of looking at it through, different eyes and uh yeah just not trying to find uh poke out the the bs and things that that people like to uh to point out so uh definitely stoked to have you on today to you know hear about your journey of things and and uh what you are about ryan now i'm really honored to meet you guys and i'm really honored to, that you that you'd um have some time. I get to have some time with you guys. Um, yeah, I, I have an interesting, you know, kind of an interesting journey. I, I did not, um, when I was growing up, my father, uh, practiced, um, like, uh, meditation. My, my dad, my dad in so many ways, I think was maybe two generations early. He, my dad, um, 
uh, uh, followed um, a guy named Paramahansa Yogananda who came over here in um, in uh, the early '60s from India and set up a set up a temple in Encinitas. And my father, who who served, my dad dropped out of high school and 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 met this group down in Encinitas and and became one of his <clears throat> his adherents. And but he was like, he's like a similar timeline as like a, as like a Ramdas, like, uh-huh. like Ramdas is in India and your dad is in Encinitas yeah. and they're sort of doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad, uh, my dad, uh, became, became an adherent to, uh, to self-realization, um, fellowship. And then, uh, actually dropped out of high school and, and, and served and, uh, in in nineteen um, nineteen sixty two, he he dropped out of high school, and uh, and then he he served for a few years and did not graduate. Then he was then he was drafted to the war in Vietnam, and then was very disillusioned with with that and didn't didn't believe in the war. And then when he came back, he met my mom. Now my mom was uh, grew up uh, in a in a Catholic home, a practicing Catholic home where they went to masses several times a week. And so from the beginning of my parents' relationship, they had, they had practiced two, two different um, faiths. And your mom was very much still practicing that at the time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so much so that they met, they met one priest that, that wouldn't marry them because my father wasn't a, was an outstanding right. member of, the, of, that, of that church. And then they found another one that really, really liked that guy. <laughs> and uh so that was how i grew up and i grew up very much um okay with with uh differing uh, differing ideas about uh god my parents never um uh, forced anything on me or or anything at all i actually learned about jesus for the first time by from a friend of mine whose parents made him go to the youth group Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing until later. Were you on. going to like Catholic mass and stuff as a kid with your mom? Or no, well, I, would, I would go. I would go to Catholic mass uh, when um, up up and through up until about the eighth grade. Okay, and then and then I, I told her, "Hey, I don't I don't really enjoy this." <clears throat> she was like, "That's fine." And sure. Um, and then I I like my dad taught me how to surf when I was. Uh, now I was 12 years old, so I really took to it, and um, so much so that when I got into high school, I was I was surfing. I tried to surf every day, and then a kid that I met my freshman year of high school, uh, we, we we became surf buddies. He had a Volkswagen van and lived about two miles away from me, and and we went surfing everywhere. We surfed almost every day together for three years, and his parents about once a month would make him go to this youth group. And he, he drug me along one time to this, this uh, camp down at San Onofre, which is where I actually live in San Clemente. And, and they made him go to this camp, and, and I didn't know anything about anything. I was just like, I knew the waves were going to be good. And my second question was, are there going to be a lot of chicks there? And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, he's like yeah. I was like, well, I'm in then. And so um, there were about 60 people at this camp and my friend didn't have any interest in, in the faith side. Uh, however, at night they would have this bonfire 
And um, I remember hearing this, this guy talk about Jesus for the first time in my life. And uh, I was all, I was all ears. And, and so uh, that is the first time I, I learned about Jesus. I was actually 16. Why? What about that? Do you think you were so uh, receptive towards at that time? I don't know. I, I it's a great question. I mean, it's I mean, did you, you didn't really necessarily go in there with any like uh, preconceived like you know not necessarily saying that you like would have had a closed heart, but you know, a teenage boy who's sort of just like more looking to have a good time and it was just kind of happenstance that this message sort of grabbed you. That's exactly how I would describe it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that, and that, so that was my first experience with, uh, with, with, uh, hearing about the teachings of Jesus. And, uh, and so for me, it's actually interesting because I look back and, um, so, uh, you know, a lot of people, even now, especially now, a lot of people uh, don't don't go to church for, uh, for for cultural reasons. You know, a lot of people don't like the um, the culture of of the church. It's something that people talk about a lot, and and yet uh, every every gathering, every every group of people. They have a culture, whether whether they'll own that or not. You know, and, and what you find is that people tend to feel comfortable uh, in a culture that's their own. And I know that because I felt comfortable at that camp, and that's actually still the culture that I like to this day. I I'm a small beach town person. I don't like suburbs. I don't like cities. It's why I live in a small beach town. I like small beach towns. I like small villages. I like small cities. I like, mm-hmm. I like knowing my, you know, and, and so even when I first learned about Jesus, it was at the beach. It was around a fire. I, I had just, I had literally just served. So there's a lot of things that, that I'm able to look back on, you know, kind of just culturally that I just liked, mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, and, 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 and I think that, um, I'm not, I'm not surprised at all when I hear stories of people who grew up in, um, in churches that don't go there anymore. And the reason why they don't go is because the culture isn't theirs. And hmm. it's not something we talk about a lot because a lot of people really actually like the teachings of Jesus, but they can no longer hear the teachings of Jesus because they're not in a they don't res the, the culture is weird. It's goofy. They don't sure. They don't like it. You know, I think that, you know. yeah, I mean, I can definitely, I can definitely, I think probably throw, throw myself into that mix. Um, you know, I, I, it's been a sort of long journey for me from my early twenties when I first kind of decided I didn't want to be a part of the church anymore, just where I am now where I'm, you know, yeah. So much more open to, um, yeah, you know, the teachings of Jesus, other spiritual teachers, and just, like, very spiritually curious. I will say um, probably the hardest thing to give up is is the community and then finding a community of, you know, at the very least, um, other spiritually curious people um, takes some time. And I, I'm still sort of building that. You know, I'm lucky enough to, 
to have Dan here and, and a few other friends that I think fit that bill. But um, yeah, there is something special to having that community of people who, um, you know, it does seem, you know, for the most part, just pretty, at least the church I grew up in was very much kind of come as you are, pretty non-judgmental, um, you know, until you get caught smoking weed or something and then you're kind of out. But, uh, which which did happen to me in, in my freshman year of college, I got caught smoking a joint with uh, the bass player when I was on tour with a Christian worship band. Um, <laughs> so this is, the, so this is the first time I've met you and talked with you. So that, that, that was the thing that happened. So you were out playing music and doing. Uh, and yeah. You know, we went to go, uh, we went to go see a movie. Um, you know, we were in like, we were in like Omaha, Nebraska and the bass player and I went to go see a movie. The rest of the band went to, you know, get dinner and the bass player busted out a joint and was like, I think we were going to see Toy Story three. And he was like, you want to smoke this before we go in there? And I was kind of like, yeah, sure, why not? Um, you know, I started smoking and experimenting with it my, my freshman year of college. And then, yeah, we came back and the worship leader was like, dude, you guys reek of marijuana. And bass player was like 16. I'm like, you know, 19. And I just was like, I mean, what can we do? I, I just I just owned it. I was like, there's no point in lying about it. I mean, he could smell it. Like, And, yeah, that was not the move. Um, yeah, I got kicked off the tour. They sent me home. The next day I had to drive 12 hours by myself back to Denver to my parents' <laughs> house. And, you know, they called my parents and this whole thing. It was like, you know, they handled it. They were they handled it, I think, as best as they could. But um, it was interesting because in that moment, that was sort of the beginning of the end for me. I remember telling the worship leader, like, you know, if I'm being honest with you, you know, I have – I'm sort of experiencing this typical freshman year of college thing where um, – I'm struggling yeah. with my faith. I feel very distant from God. Don't yeah. really know where I'm at about it. You know, I'm yeah. not trying to make excuses for this behavior. I know that this is, I signed a contract and I broke it. And like, but I was just trying to have like this dude that I had known all through high school. You know, we, we had a relationship um, and, a, and a spiritual friendship. And he just like did not care. He was just like rule breaker. You're out. There was very little compassion. And I think I was, I was deeply, deeply hurt by that, um, that the fact that this church community that I had given so much of my life to and had served, um, you know, for all of my, like, high school years, I had been, to, you know, giving, sacrificing, giving my time um, to do worship and all these things, and then to just, like, have, get my, you know, get, get the back, like, the cold shoulder so quickly um, at the first sign of a mistake was seemed very unchristlike to me. And I was a little bit baffled by that. And I realized that, you know, everybody's not perfect. And, you know, they, you know, they were just doing what they thought was right. But um, I think a lot of people get burned in that way by, you know, imperfect people doing things that, you know, that they think is right or um, whatever. But yeah, I'm definitely, I wouldn't say that was the reason that I decided to leave the church, but um, things could have been different maybe if in that moment he had met me where I was at instead of just being like, you know, I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. I, th I think that's, that's actually a really sad story. And, you know, it, it brings up the point about, you know, anytime, anytime someone can, can send their way out of a family, they probably don't have a family. Right. And I think that was the realization that I, that I felt 
that's the rub, right? Because the rhetoric is, you know, family and, you know, we've heard all the meaningless cliches at this point about the rhetoric and the terminology that people use, but oftentimes that isn't matched up with how people feel and what people experience. Right. You know, and then the, the added layer on top of it is you, people never come back and say, sorry, <laughs> they just, <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, they just, you never, you know, and then late, you know, so it's, it's uh, I'm glad you shared that, you know, I think, I think that's unfortunately not an uncommon story. Yeah. But, um, you know, before I share that, you were, you were sort of just talking about church in general. And, and I know a little bit about you sort of have like, a um, like you belong to a sort of non-conventional church in Southern California. Is that, yeah, well, is that correct? Yeah. So what I did was I just, well, there were a few things that were going on with me. Really three things were happening for, for me. I'm a, I, I, I'm a, I'm a little over a year into, into ocean water now. And three things were going on with me. One, um, I have a background in, in public health and, and I really started to understand what was happening in the world of water. Um, and then the second thing that was happening with me was I have, I've traveled quite a bit and, and um, most of the places that I've gone have zero representation of anybody trying to follow, follow the teachings of Jesus in, in, a, in a small town beach coastal context. Um, and, and then the third thing that happened that, that I noticed that is really sad is I just saw so many younger people completely disinterested in any kind of church for cultural reasons, um, almost entirely for cultural reasons. So ocean water was, was my, uh, adventure into trying to give some feet to those, to those three things. So kind of what it, kind of how it's landed is, um, on the public health side, we'll, we'll, we'll identify, um, a community like we have in El Salvador. I've, I've done, um, I went through I went through a divorce in um, in in 2007, and 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 I went back to grad school. And come, coming out of that, I decided to travel by by my bicycle for a year. So um, I rode across Canada on my on my on my bicycle, and then I rode across the U.S. and then I rode down down into uh, down to Panama and into Colombia for a year. I traveled through ten countries, and on this bicycle ride, I learned all about water really had my eye, my eyes open to what was happening. And so, um, a few years later, I found myself asked to go help with a project in El Salvador in 2015. And then from 2015 to now, I, we, we've taken about 120 people down there. And what, what, what that looks like is there's this place we found called Palmercito and it's very representative of like sort of exactly where we want to do work there. There are 38 families that represent about, about 300 people and we we haven't we haven't solved a, a system that that turns uh, ocean water uh, into drinking water using solar and it distributes about about 300 gallons of water a day and then um that 
that platform. So like right now during the COVID-19 pandemic, we have, we, we have like strong recommendations to, for, from our government about how to behave there. They basically have martial law, which means if you go outside of the property line, you're arrested. Mm-hmm. And so right now that, that system's provided water for, uh, 38 families and, and also, uh, food. We've been, we've been taking food, uh, to, to those, to those same people. Uh, so on the public health side, that's what we do now. Now this, now the guy, my friend, um, his name's Sampapo. He distributes the water and the food. And then, and then one night a week, he invites people over and they just have dinner and they discuss the teachings of Jesus. And they, they all serve as about 20 people. So mm-hmm. that's, that's basically how it, <clears throat> how it manifested for me. I hope I'm answering your question. I kind of just went off. And, yeah. You know, that's cool. Yeah. What, what about the, uh, <clears throat> the water s- situation became so important to you and, and, uh, helping these people. Yeah. So something, something clicked for me because I, my father started me surfing when I was 12. And then when I started studying public health in my mid thirties, I just understood pretty quickly with the future of waters in the ocean. And, and, um, that made sense to me. Uh, and so I became very, very interested in it. Yeah. Yeah. As, as far as the, the surfing, was that a pretty spiritual experience for you from the, from the get go? Yeah, absolutely. Just, I, 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 I surfed this morning for, for two hours, you know, it's, it's part of <clears throat> what I like and, and, and I love it. And I, I'm, it's a, it's a big, big part of my life. Very, very much so. And, and, yeah. for, and for a long time, I felt like that also didn't fit in the, in the church culture. Because surf, like just the idea of like a surfer dude is, was, was sort of unwelcome in like a buttoned up church. To, to this day, I mean, to this day, I don't, I can name, you know, maybe three pastors that I know that surf. Right. So there's Rob, surf. Rob Bell is like one of those, those surfer <laughs> dudes. <Yeah. laughs> well, I've not, I've not met him. I hear, I hear he's, he's a wonderful human being, but. Yeah, yeah, that might be an interesting conversation to, to, to have with him about that. But they, I, so, so yes, it's spiritual, and yes, I love it, and yeah, it's a big part of my life. Uh, curious about sort of like you know, so you, you know, you discover uh, Jesus in, in your teenage years in high school. Um, from that point on, were you would you consider yourself like a practicing Christian? And if so, I'm sort of curious how your upbringing, like with your dad and his, you know, kind of separate spiritual path, how that, how that has influenced, um, you know, the way that you approach your own or if it has at all or anything that you might've taken from, from that. Well, I have a deep love for my dad. Him and I are very, very close. Um, my, my dad, um, is one of my closest friends and him and I to this day surf together and, my father also rides bicycles. He's 75 and rides, rides bicycles. Sounds like a badass. Yeah. He, he really, he's a very interesting guy. I've told him many times you were like two generations early, really on every level. I mean, my father bought a, bought a bicycle uh, uh, in 1980. My father rode his bicycle to work for 37 years. My father 
dropped out of high school and went surfing. My father's been a vegetarian my entire life. Yeah. I think I've seen him eat a piece of chicken once. And, uh, I mean, I, I, many times I told him you were, you were like an alien that got dropped off just 40 years early. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Just, just very hip to like new age ideas yeah, and whatnot. Yeah, so, so, so that really, um, and, and my, you know, when I decided that I uh, wanted to follow the teachings of Jesus and make that a part of my life, uh, I never, my, my approach is I, I just, I like speak when I'm spoken to. I'm not, I'm not much of a dog someone who tries to convince other people. That's not really my, sure. you know, so, and I've never been that way with my father. Right. I've always had just a profound respect for him. And so our journey together has really been for the last at least 25 years, 30, 30 years uh, in, in this ongoing conversation. <clears throat> Interestingly enough, my dad um, just in this. So just a few months ago, he, he went with me to El Salvador. And, and he, he saw the, uh, the water system that we had installed there. And of course, that's a super meaningful thing for me. That's my father. Yeah, of course. When he's the oldest guy on the trip, hands down. I mean, by, by 25, 30 years. And uh, on that trip, my father said to me that he, he wanted to uh, read the Bible for the first time in his life. So for, for, for three months now, my, my father and I have been reading the, reading the Bible together every day. Nice. Where did you guys start? Yeah. Well, Is that your question, Dan? That's a yep. Question. So, <laughs> you know it. Yeah, so what I did, um, I'm a part of this group that we're on this reading app. There's like a group of us. We do the same readings every day. It's like a way to stay connected. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just asked him to to join that group. And so he's, he's, um, he's a part of that group. You just, you just started him in the middle of the series. Season I'm, five, episode 12. Here we go, dad. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, man. You want to join our reading group? He's like, sure. Yeah, that's cool. Well, cause it I is, mean, it's, it's so interesting. I mean, like if you start with Genesis, you're very quickly, you're sort of like, what am I doing? Cause you know, it's just, yeah. uh, yeah, it's it's not super accessible. Uh, those the the, the Torah um, culturally, it's like so far from you know. I think without the cultural context, the Old Testament is incredibly bizarre uh, and feel you know the meaning is can be hard to tease out. Once you get the cultural context, it it becomes a little more clear. Um, and then yeah, if you start with the New Testament. Um, I think it's, you know, it works, but also, again, you're missing a lot of the context now of where that world is set in, which I think is super important to sort of understand some of the Old Testament as you're reading the New Testament, specifically the Gospels, um, so that you can sort of put things into place. So, yeah, it can be tricky, um, but I do think that there are, you know, I think there are interesting things to be encountered that are sort of just like timeless almost one-liners sprinkled throughout the Bible that, you know, I don't know if you would necessarily need any, uh, any context for that to, to get something from it. But anyways, was just curious where, 
What, what are you guys reading right now? Is it it's something every day that you guys read? Yeah, it's like a, in fact, um, there's been a group of us who've been doing this. We're almost done. We started like a year ago. And the, ne- the next time, we're going to read it again um, in, uh, I think, starting in like two months. And this next time around, when we read it, we're going to read the, the chronological Bible, which is you read it in the order that it happened. Versus, okay. versus if you read the Bible the way that it's laid out, it jumps around quite a bit, historically. Yeah, so, probably, especially the Old Testament. Especially the Old Testament. So yeah. I feel I feel like uh, we, we just had this conversation the other day, I like like literally last Friday with I, with some guys that I read with, and we just decided, you know, actually let's read it in order, in the, in the order that it happened. Because right now you read like a little bit out of Genesis, and then you go over to like one chapter of Revelation, and then you go back to Isaiah, and you're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> you know? for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, cool. Yeah, can can you just kind of bridge the gap a little bit more for us between getting infected with um, the spirit of Jesus at 16 and and starting Ocean Water? Oh yeah, what a journey! You know, I. I I, uh, it has been a journey. I, I started out, um, with the encouragement of the guy who, who had that bonfire at the beach. <clears throat> he told me, Hey, go, uh, go start a, go start a Bible study. I'm like, what's that? He's like, um, just take notes in the, um, take notes from my message on, on Tuesday night and, and maybe just go share, share some thoughts with your friends at lunchtime. I said, that's cool. I'll do that. So I, the two weeks later, I s- sat in the front row of the youth group and I made a couple notes and, and, um, in fact, I remember the first message it was, he had shared about Matthew seven, do not judge. So I, I, I remember I went to my friend, Peter Gomberg, and uh, I said, Hey, Peter, you want to have a Bible study? He's like, he's like, yeah. I said, okay, well, let's, um, let's go get our friends that, that play hacky sack with. Cause all my friends in, hack, in high school, like smoked weed and played hacky sack and surfed. Like that's yeah. you know, who, who <laughs> sure. I went with and chase chicks. That was like our thing. And, 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 uh, so we started this little group and I did this for my senior, my senior year of high school in a, in a, it went really well. We had, we had a really big group at the end of the year and I really decided that I liked it. And, um, I decided that I wanted to be, uh, wanted to be a youth pastor. And then I ended up, uh, <clears throat> being a youth pastor and, uh, for, oh geez, a few, uh, five years. This is in your, in your twenties. Yeah. 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 And then I, and then I went through and then I got married and then I went through a divorce that just totally all my fault. I was like, totally, uh, I, I got involved with pornography and then I was like, that just totally messed my life up. And then I went through a divorce and then, so then I went from never experiencing anything about Jesus or church to, to, then learning about the teachings of Jesus, then being a youth pastor, then going through a divorce because I was looking at pornography all the time. Then I, then I, um, then I obviously quit, 
quit being a pastor and, and completely mm-hmm. something else with my life. I, I went into real estate and went back to grad school. I started going to a 12-step program uh, for people who, who uh, deal with pornography. And then after going to that 12-step program, I learned some tools in that 12-step program that, um, that, that I've used for the last, for the last 12 years. It's been 12 years now since I, since I looked at pornography, which people think is great, but really it's just given me the time and energy to focus on the hundred other problems that I have. (laughs) (laughs) For sure, man. I mean, I'm not, I'm not what I call a righteous recoverer. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm just glad that I have time and energy for other things. So, so I, it's been quite a journey for me, you know, and, and by the way, I can say this for certain that I did not think that I would be, be a pastor after that experience and based on everything that I went through. Um, in fact, I'll tell you a little story. Uh, so I got into real estate and did some other things. And then I went on my bike ride that I told you about. And then I got really interested in water. So I just, just, I just said, well, I just want to focus on water and I want to do, I want to do public health. And I also got my teacher in financial and I was teaching. So, so a friend of mine, I was living in San Diego, going to grad school. This is in 2011. And a friend of mine, um, uh, was, was, uh, was working at a large church, a really big church. And he, he, um, asked me if I would volunteer with the kids and uh, he was my buddy. And I said, yeah, dude, I'll, I'll, I'll help you volunteer with the kids. And then, so I started helping out with the youth group and he calls me and he finds out that his wife's been having an affair on him. And so he then, um, says, you know, I'm like, I'm like a total mess. Will you, will you help me with, the?" like do my, like, I don't, I, I can't even function. Will you like help me with my job? And then it was, <laughs> it Go was straight at sermons for him or like, <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't write a sermons for him, but there was a lot of kids. Exactly. Right. Well, I mean, you, you, you I mean, dude, that's, that would be, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not busting balls, but that, that would be a really, um, going through that situation, personal stuff like that. Um, it's really hard when, you know, American society says like, well, you got to just, especially if you're a dude, it's like, yo, just man up, do your job, put your head down. And, and it's like, yeah, no, I need to like take a year off from working and like get my shit together because my life just crumbled. And so, yeah, you know, I feel for people when that happens because our culture in particular really looks down on someone who's like, Hey, I need to take care of myself right now instead of just like acting like it's all cool. Yeah, I was, a, I look back, it was such a weird, a weird, but, but, it, but so what happened was I, I sort of started helping him and then, um, uh, I, I actually ended up being on staff, not as a pastor, but like as one of the other little underlings or whatever. Then, um, my, my two friends that work here actually got fired from the, from the church. Uh, which was not a fun experience for me to. <laughs> no, no churches, even, even the best churches, there's still, you know, there's politics yeah. involved and, uh, 
yeah, things can get things can get weird and messy sometimes. Yeah. So uh, after that, I, I just went back into to teaching high school and doing my doctoral work. Um, and then remember the guy I told you who who put the campfire together? Yeah. Yeah. He he called me. Uh, I'm now I'm now married again. I've been married about five years. Love my wife Maria. And it was actually a few days before our wedding. And he, and he called me and he said, "Hey, do you do you want to um, come and be a come and be a youth pastor?" And I'm like, "Are you serious, bro?" Like, and my, I remember my first question. I was like, "Am I the first guy you called?" Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the long and the short of it is that that's how I got back into into doing what I'm doing now. It's very unexpected, not, not planned and really kind of full circle through ups and downs and twists and turns. And yeah, I hope I'm answering your question. Maybe I'm not, but kind of, no, yeah. I thought, I think, I think you, uh, you definitely answered it. Um, yeah, I don't know what I was going. Fire away, dude. I, 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 I had uh, something for you. Um, I guess I'm just curious through um, some of your darker times, since you, you did seem to uh, be infected with the, you know, Jesus's teachings pretty early on. Yeah. Um, is that something you you lost along the way? Or did you struggle with, with the spirituality through all of that turmoil? Or was that something that was kind of a solid rock for you still? Oh, definitely, definitely struggled. You know, I was very, I was very mad at myself. You know, anyone who's ever been through any kind of addiction and self-sabotage and all that stuff, that's, that, that's a lot to work through. Um, I've been disappointed to see my friends treated so poorly by religious institutions. And, um, I've very deeply hurt by that and sad by that. Um, and, um, but through it all, you know, I always felt God with me, no question. Mm -hmm. And and I think just like most people do, I think most people feel God with them and, and want to, and like it teachings of Jesus and, and want to be friends with him, but it's a journey, you know, it, it's, it's a journey of, of the ups and downs and twists. And Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people have been burned by the church in some way, burned by Christianity in some way, especially in America. Um, yeah. I think there's a particular brand of Christianity here that um, can be very unforgiving, very unchristlike. Um, and and sort of, sometimes sort of misses the point, but the reality is, is I, I think there are very few people that are like, nah, what Jesus was teaching was bullshit. Like, I, don't, I just don't know how you could really take that position, because it's like, yeah, especially for something that's so old, it's like, no, I mean, he's teaching, uh, he's teaching some pretty, pretty solid stuff. It's similar in my experience, like, I don't think anybody would say that most of the great spiritual teachers were like, full of it you know i think it gets a little hairy you know once we start getting into some of the other theology and 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 historicity of it but like yeah nobody's out there being like well what jesus had to say or what the buddha had to say was like it's no good 
It's like, no, it still holds up thousands of years later for a reason, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, it sure does. You know, and I, I, I no. So to answer your question, I, I, I never, I never, no, I never lost it. I just, it just looked different. Yeah. It's do you have any, in, do you have any insight on why you think it's so hard for us to all miss the, uh, the judging of others thing? Cause I feel like that's like a, a big thing of being rubbed the wrong way for people that go to church. It seems to, at least my experience, I think as I got older as a teenager, I think I just kind of felt the judgment about certain things. It's like, Oh, he's, he's coming in here with his tattoos and his long hair, and his, you know, and his, and his piercings and stuff. And I, I, uh, I don't know. It just, sometimes I think it lacks humility in that way. And it seems like a lot of people are like scared to confront their, uh, their issues sometimes with their, their peers in the church. Mm. Yeah. If that's think, fair. No, no. I, I think that, I think that, you know, people judging each other isn't always something that's said, it's something that's felt, you know? And, and I think that what people don't often understand is, you know, there's what you say and there's also how you make people feel, you know? And, um, that's a real thing. And you know it when you feel it. So, uh, you know, but, but also at the same, at the same time, I think it's good to, good to not be in that environment if you feel that way. For sure. And, For sure. And, but, but also at the same time, I always remind myself, it's not Jesus making me feel that way. It's those people making me feel that way. You know, and there, and there's a difference, you know, and, and there, there's a difference. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Is there a, I would assume, uh, your dad being who he was maybe opened you up to some other, other spiritual teachers. Were there people outside of Christianity that you also took to that you appreciated their teachings? Yeah, I appreciate all of them. I, don't, I wasn't taught that you're you're disrespectful to people. That's not. I don't see that. I don't. I've never understood the argument of claiming to be Christ-like and at the same time putting other people's beliefs down or putting other people down. How does that make the argument that you're Christ-like? Right, and even if you read a, that. a close reading of of the Old Testament and the way that it sort of describes what the Messiah would do um, and Jesus's own teachings. It's like, you know, the ultimate move here is to try and unify everybody. And that doesn't mean necessarily unify all of the religions under one religion, but some sort of not just, and not even just respect for another religions, but a willingness to, um, you know, maybe learn something. I think like Americans are, are, in particular, and I'm certainly guilty of this in my own life as well, like very, very slow to like try to learn anything from Islam. Islam has over a billion followers. There has to be something in the Quran that is valuable to humanity. It can't all just be, you know, it's not, uh, it's not a death cult. It can't be. It has, you know, it's got 15, 20% of the world's population. So 
you know, in my mind, um, I, I just I heard someone say this recently. I thought it was deeply profound of sort of saying, like, um, you know, the 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 ultimate like way that Christ would move through the world would be to unify everyone under, you know, the same sort of like understanding love and respect for each other, not necessarily the same religion, but, um, yeah. So anyways, I'm just rambling at this point, but no, I think the spirit of Jesus is one of kindness, love and respect and inclusiveness as well. He was deeply inclusive for his time, um, in a way that got him murdered. So, well, exactly. And you never allow someone else's behavior towards you to determine your behavior towards them. Right. That's not, in fact, the Bible teaches the opposite. The Bible teaches that if you follow the teachings of Jesus, that if someone hits your cheek, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. What was the lesson there? The lesson was you don't let someone else's behavior determine how you're going to treat them. So, so in the teachings of Jesus, there's an emphasis on, on personal responsibility at all times. Right. Yeah. Which leads us back to not judging. How do you not judge people? The only way that you can judge people is if you have a second in your day to do it. Sure. I mean, or if you haven't done the work on your, if you haven't done the work on yourself. Exactly. You know. exactly. The best way to not judge people is to be overwhelmed with one one's own need for personal growth. Sure. Say, how do you quit judging? It's like, get overwhelmed about your condition. <laughs> yeah. And also get, get real with yourself that like, and then there's no time. To yeah. Yeah. And if you get real with yourself that you're not perfect either, you yeah. know, which is, this is another core teaching of, of Jesus. Um, yes. It, and it's very human, obviously to judge and, and to other eyes, groups of people or single people or whatever. Um, so it's, it's difficult to, to not do it. Um, but I think the key is, like you said, to sort of be consumed with something healthier. And, and if you are doing the work on yourself, then you're going to be much slower to judge someone for their transgressions. Cause you're just going to be like, Oh man, that's just like me. Like yeah. I do, I do that too. I do it in a different way. You know, maybe my coping mechanisms look a little bit different. Um, but we had this we had this guy on a couple of weeks ago, actually another Ryan, um, and he said this thing that I've been sort of ruminating on, which was there's no, um, you know, he said there's no vaccine for the human experience. Everyone has to, everyone is going to have to deal with that in some way, and so there might be different treatments or approaches, but we're all sort of floundering in that way because, um, yeah, being alive is is hard and can be really painful sometimes. So. Yeah, I like the questions that you asked about how I got where I'm at, you know, and, and the reality has been a very long journey. Sure. Well, well that's all. Yeah, that's like the, the Bible is the hero's journey. It's about rising from the ashes several times and, you know, suffering and then many deaths along the way to rise again. And yeah. Yeah. For yeah, sure. Good, man. So good. <laughs> This is great, man. I'm enjoying the freestyle. This is awesome. <laughs> Very refreshing. Cool. Yeah, we, we try to keep it pretty loose around here. Um, yeah. Just just a hang and a chat. Um, cool. Is there anything else that you that you would want to add to uh, 
to like, you know, your story or, or how you got to where you are, or even a little bit more sort of about kind of where you are now or where you've been recently, um, you know, with your, with your faith? Yeah, never, never more peaceful and never more peaceful is the right word. And I think part of it is, you know, I've, you know, you can't solve all the problems in the world, but you can pick one. And one of the reasons why I'm enjoying this chapter of my life so much is because there's a lot of satisfaction that comes when you are solving a solvable problem. Sure. You know, and, and so right now when there's so much satisfaction that I get from, you know, installing a system that helps a group of marginalized people get their water from the ocean, it helps them be self-determined. It helps them not have to spend their money and their time getting water every day. It helps them to get their own food. It helps them to, to do so many. There's an economic benefit. Massive economic benefit, for sure. I, I remember you saying that in, in your conversation with my dad about how, you know, this is one of the main reasons why these world, uh, these countries are still in the third world. Because if you have to spend five, eight hours of your day just trying to get decent, clean water, which we have, we all have to have, how, how are you going to possibly, you know, move beyond that in your life in terms of and economically? I mean, that's, that's where you're at. You're stuck just with, I got to get my basic needs met. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's pretty tragic because, yeah. And, and I think it's something that we very much take for granted. I mean, here in Portland, I just... I just drink water straight out of my sink. Tastes great. Right. Yeah, so do I. And and and, and um, you're in San Clemente, and, and it's that's a blessing. But I also think that there's there's kind of the you know like the theological side of things, and and you know in in your own relationship with with Jesus, and and that's part of it. But then what's really what's really fun is when you get to take your your friendship with Jesus and then you get to actually you know when you're helping people like what are three big problems in the world well water food and housing they, they shouldn't be right they don't need to be they don't need to be they don't need to be if if we would make the decision that they don't need to be right and and if there's still problems, it means we've not made the decision to make sure that they're not problems. Sure. So, so, so I, I'm very, I find so much satisfaction when I'm dealing with food, water, and housing. It's so satisfying, dude. Sure. And it makes me feel like I'm in a very deep, meaningful way, loving my neighbor as myself. Yeah. And I think that's a great point you brought up too about, you know, obviously you can't fix all the world's problems, um, but you could, you can start somewhere. And that's something I have to constantly tell myself is I always tell myself, just tend to your corner of the garden. That's all. Mm-hmm. Start so there, start yeah. there because, and even if that just means like doing something nice for your significant other, for some of your friends, like your immediate circle, not even strangers. If that's all you got in you, it's, it's, but don't let the overwhelming, um, you know, weight of the world lead you to complete inaction when it comes to helping and loving others. Because even if it's just one person that day, um, that changes the world in a small way. 
So uh, sure, I would recommend that 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 part of our part of our satisfaction and our happiness comes from when you use your passion to help to help solve a problem, and sure. so that's part of the. And we we think that we think that those things are mutually exclusive, but but they're not. I think when you when you use your passion to solve a problem, do that while you're processing all this other stuff. Because what I have learned in my life is we're always processing things we don't have answers for, you know, and, and, and they, they work together. Sure. And there's, there's also the processing of, you know, there are some things that you'll never have an answer for. Nobody has an answer for it. And that's, uh, you know, it's part of the richness of life is to sort of, as, as I've gotten older, sort of realizing like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe it's okay that there's a little bit of, a little bit of mystery and unknown out there. It, it's, uh, yeah, it's part of what makes things rich and interesting. So. Yeah, it is. It's great. Well, you guys got anything you need to tell me, dude? <laughs> what do I need to do? <laughs> no, nah, man. Uh, One of things to ask people these days. What do I need to no- do? No, as as somebody that's a, you know, a pastor and knowing that your relationship with Jesus or God is such a unique and personal thing, how do you, how do you help someone allow that or facilitate an environment, I guess, to let them find that on their own and let them get in line when they want to get in line, I guess, instead of trying to... I have a tremendous respect for people's intelligence and their, their, their timeline. And the sooner you realize that people, their people are on their own timeline. Right. They're not on anyone else's. And that's a beautiful thing, you know, and, and people, people do things, people come to their own conclusions when they come to them and people are on their own their own timeline, but I also don't, I also don't feel compelled to change people. I don't, I've never really understood that. I've never, I could never get my head around that. Well, yeah. I mean, I think there's some, some universal wisdom that says you can't, it's impossible. And when it comes to matters of the heart, especially, um, you know, someone has to have their own encounter with the divine ultimately. And, and if you wanted them to have, uh, to have that, um, you know, yeah, maybe you could sort of facilitate an environment that might um, be be ultra conducive to that for them. But ultimately, um, the most loving thing you could do is just to be patient with with those people. And that's sort of what I try to do in my life with people that I feel like, you know, and this is very judgy of me again, but for people that I feel like are are less evolved or on the wrong side of some issue or you know, maybe they're, I think they're kind of racist or they're kind of what, whatever it is. Um, or I think they're overly judgmental. Um, but yeah, it's like, ultimately, like, I'm not going to change their mind. I'm not going to change their heart. It's going to happen when, when, and if it's going to happen. And the only way that I can love them properly is just to meet them where they're at and be patient with them. Um, and you know, Dan and I have talked, it's sort of become a a running theme in the show where we talk about, you know, how people are going to, get in line whenever they're going to get in line. And that's one of the parables of, of Jesus and Matthew is that he talks about is like, you know, it's just, uh, we all, we all want to get in this same line so that we can, so that we can have a, 
you know, a meaningful life or an encounter with God or whatever you want to call it. Um, but we're not all going to do it at the same time. So, no, and and part of my, one of my favorite prayers is, is the prayer, you know, God grant me the serenity to change the people. Uh, God grant me the serenity to accept the people that I cannot change the courage to change the person that I can and the wisdom to know it is me. Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Yeah. It's a twist on, on the serenity prayer. Yeah. But that's so beautiful because it is really at the end of the day, like you want to help others. Um, Yeah. And this is some sort of cheesy corny wisdom too, but it does, it starts with you. It always starts with you and working on yourself, working on your own heart. Um, Yeah. So right on. Well, um, yeah, we wrap up the show with, you know, talking about the Bible a little bit. And so you um, sent over a couple verses to me and I was telling Dan that since I was raised in the church, I was like, oh, I don't even have to look these up. I know, I know this one by heart. Um, Cause this is, uh, yeah, this, this was a set of verses that was definitely a favorite for me as a kid. And I think gave me a lot of comfort, um, you know, at a time when, when you're a young child, like, you know, there's so much that you don't understand. You're just intellectually incapable of understanding a lot of stuff. And, and I think this verse gave me a lot of comfort in, in sort of letting me know, like, you don't have to. You don't have to understand it. Um, just lean on something else. So anyways, let's let's talk about it. It's uh, Proverbs chapter 3, right? Verses 5 and 6. Yeah, yeah. That's That's been um, – that verse was the first, first verses I ever memorized. As a yeah, kid. I think – yeah, that's probably common for a lot of people. So the verses, uh, the yeah, the verses are trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Um, yeah. So talk to us a little bit about sort of what what's so powerful for you about those two verses. Well, I think it goes back um, to to trusting when when I don't have answers, you know. Actually, you know, one of my favorite songs is written by, uh, is, is, is a hymn that was redone by a guy who lives up by you, or, or at some point lived up by you, a guy named Josh Garrels. And he wrote a song called Farther Along. And the song talks about, um, you know, farther, farther along, we will understand why. You know, and, and there's something, I don't know, there's something about that lyric that hits me hard. And I always pull it, pull it back to my favorite favorite Bible verse. And, you know, so many times we have, uh, we go through seasons of life that we don't want. We have things happen to us that, that, uh, we don't get answers for. And, uh, that's, that's a hard truth to accept, but it's true. Sure. Uh, we don't get all the answers that we want and, uh, we just don't. And so there's a tension that, that we, we live with when we, when we don't have answers, but we, but we keep walking in a direction. Sure. So, so, so that, that, that verse is a, is a deep one for me, especially cause I, at this point in my life, I feel like I've been through so many just <laughs> twists and turns and sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting coming back to that verse, um, as an adult now, it's been a while since I've thought about it. 
Um, and I really, I love the second part uh, where, you know, it says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Because as a kid, to me, that really just meant like, you know, trust God and, and always be a Christian. And then like, you'll be good. Like acknowledging God in, in all your ways to me was just like, okay, so just like be a be religious i don't know you know like i didn't really get the the deeper level which to me now very much feels like sort of what we've already been talking about which is like you know show up for yourself daily that's how you acknowledge god in your life is, is you show up for yourself you work on yourself you try to be you know you try to be better um you try to lean towards some form of of wisdom or whatever um you know your your truest self I feel like always knows what's right. And that's sort of the, the divine within you. So it's like lean towards that. That's how you acknowledge God. And that's, what's going to like sort of make your life start to magically maybe come together uh, as opposed to be falling apart. Um, and yeah, I think, yeah, I think that there's, that is some like really interesting sort of deep wisdom that can be teased out and, and really expressed in, you know, religious terms, but non-religious terms as well depending on how you want, you know, what your definition of, of God is or whatever. And, and I think even if your definition of God was just like, you know, the connectedness between people, then ultimately like acknowledging God every day is like, just, yeah, then it's as simple as just loving others, you know? Basically. Yeah. It's really, and, and I heard this recently and I thought this was so good, which is, uh, life, um, like when it comes to something like loving others, it's like, yeah, in so many ways, life is super simple to understand, very difficult to master. Um, and that gave me some, I don't know, I like that. It was encouraging to me because I think um, I, in so many ways, I demand some kind of perfection for myself. And it's, it's just not the reality for, for anyone. So I like that saying of, yeah, easy to understand, simple to understand, difficult to master. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it is difficult to master. Your, your dad actually just popped in my head because your dad and I have gotten to be good friends for three reasons, because one, we're both water nerds. Um, and, and two, we both love bicycles and, and three, we both love coffee. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Those are three of the things that I would say my dad could, could geek out on the hardest. Yeah. Well, and you throw in, throw in history and throw in wine and it now it's a full package. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And, and so like, like at least once a month I go ride like, like 40 miles with your dad. And it's always just a blast. I think he's such an interesting dude. And, and, and I ask him questions almost the whole time about like, cause he, he has like a whole like lifetime of knowledge about like a very, small segment of like water infrastructure that not a lot of people like, you know, I just find it fascinating. So I'm always like bugging them about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the, uh, the lean, not on your own understanding that's part. It. That's it. You, gotta, you need like that other perspective too. I, I, I appreciated that part of the, uh, of that verse, like yeah. so much, yeah. so much, uh, compassion I think is learned through perspective. So yeah. dug that part. Yeah, I, I like that too. I, I, yeah, thanks for pointing that out, bro. Love that. Yeah. Yeah, my dad is an interesting dude to go on a 40-mile bike ride with. Um, one of my, like, favorite qualities about my dad um, that I've always aspired to is that he knows so much about so many things. And so he can have an interesting conversation with almost anybody 
Because what he does is he's going to tease out what are you interested in in the first 10 seconds of talking to you. And then he's going to be like, yeah, I know all about it. It's, it's, it's <laughs> insane. I mean, he's just such an avid reader and like maybe he doesn't know all about it, but he probably will know something very interesting about, yeah, some very specific corner of whatever you're interested in. And it'll be a really engaging conversation. And so um, I've always loved that about him. And that's a, that's a quality that I've, you know, tried to, tried to bring into my own life is, you know, one, be interested in what other people are interested in when you're talking to them. And two, try to, try to know as much as my dad. I don't think I'll ever get there. It feels like he, sometimes it feels like he, there's like nothing that he doesn't know. It's ins- he's like an encyclopedia. It's insane. Well, you know, it, it stems from curiosity. You know, there's something about, you guys have that. I can, I can see it. You know, there's something about being curious. It's a beautiful thing, you know? Absolutely. And I think that uh, it's one of the, it's one of the things I, I like asking people is like, Hey, what are you curious about? Cause I think, when you're curious about things, it keeps you really engaged and it keeps you really interested about, about life, you know, and, and yeah. that's just such an important quality. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. I was, uh, I was wondering if maybe you could share some of like your, your daily teachings for yourself that kind of keep you in tune with, Jesus's teachings or your own spirituality and kind of tapping into that energy on a daily. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, a lot of it is, is, um, I've been, a a lot of it I've been learning from my wife, you know, my, my wife's a beautiful person and is so much, um, more others centered than I am. I tend to read a lot. I'm in my head a lot. I, I, um, I think a lot and, and then my wife is always thinking of others. So, so they're there. And, you know, I have, I have a really profound respect for her and so much so that, um, I really want to hear, you know, what, what she has to say and, and learn from her. So I've been in a season where, uh, I'm trying to kind of learn from her. You know, my wife, my wife's a very interesting person. She, she raised her kids by herself and, and, um, we, we got married when we were 40 and she had already, she had already raised her children and she, and was, was never married and was a single mom and raised her kids and, and just a very, just, uh, tough and kind and smart. And so I've been in a season where a lot of it, a lot of my kind of, I would say, I just been in a season where I've been trying to learn a lot from, from her. So that, that's been cool. It's totally different than how I think. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Andrew, do you have anything, any other questions that, that we didn't tap into during this, this talk? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I could sort of, a lot of the stuff I could sort of just r- ramble on forever, as you know, Dan, um, <laughs> and as you have sort of learned today, Ryan. Um, but yeah, I just, I really appreciate your time and your perspective. And, you know, it seems like you're a really um, super kind-hearted, um, very grounded, um, awesome person. And I think, um, you know, my brother Joel, who is 
still in the church. Uh, when, when I asked him when he was on this podcast, you know, what does it mean to you to be a Christian? And he basically was just like, you know, it's, it means a life of service. That's basically what you're doing, you know, out here trying to just get people clean water. Um, there are, there are a few things that I could think of that are, that are more Christ-like than that. So, um, keep on fighting the good fight and, and, and doing this much needed service for, uh, for I'm sure a really beautiful community down there. Well, thanks guys. I really, this is just a breath of fresh air, dude. Anytime you, uh, have somebody cancel and you need someone to babble last minute you hollered me out you hollered me up dude <laughs> oh, that's that's I'm rad in. yeah i mean i would love it humanitarian jesus let's go dude <laughs> <laughs> uh do you have anything uh we can plug for you um anywhere people can follow this if people uh, yeah where it's good with the water <laughs> yeah, if people are interested they can they can see our website and snoop around and you know they can they can learn what we're more about what we're doing there. It's um, oceanwater.com. And I just took the vowels out. So it's just um, OCNWTR.com. Yeah. He's the SoundCloud rapper of churches, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, we we super appreciate your time and just yeah. you you sharing your your story and the the transparency of the the ups and downs is is uh it's always cool when people are willing to share the you know the stuff that taps into the the human experience and you know the the not perfect parts so thank you for all of that yeah and i think i think we're we would definitely love to have you back sometime i'd love that dan honor to meet you both thanks andrew yeah, you bet. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right, yeah. And can you guys um shoot me a copy of this or something or somehow? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll we'll let you know you. when it's – it'll go up probably Sunday, right, Dan? Yeah. 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 So. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah, you bet. Absolutely. Yeah. Smoke, pray, love, everybody. Yeah, bless up. <laughs>